0: Thanks for joining us today on Software and Electronics, brought to you by MarketScale. And good afternoon and welcome to today's interview, or as I like to call it, the Seanversation. I'm Sean Heath and I'm joined today by Matt Eisler, IT and software development guru, working in conjunction with Microsoft. How are you today, Matt?
1: I'm doing excellent, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks for taking the time today. I hope you enjoy this. And if not, my name was David. So let's get right to the important question. As a gamer, Xbox or PC?
1: Sean, I'm asked that question uh, nonstop by both consumers and professionals, and I I can't deviate from my standard answer, which is you got to go PC. There's just no way around it.
0: I like it. I knew I liked you just from the moment this call started. So now how long have you been working in conjunction with Microsoft? I know you uh, you have a separate company and you actually work as a consultant.
1: That is correct. So I've been uh, officially on the Microsoft developer team for three years. I just had my anniversary uh, last month. They sent me a nice $5 gift card to the Microsoft store. So I'm feeling pretty good about that.
0: It's been three years. What was the first project that you worked on from start to finish? So I actually got into the
1: Microsoft developer world by just doing what I do best, which is trying to learn on my own and taking advantage of the incredible resource that we reference as the web. So I ended up on Microsoft's Virtual Academy website, started taking classes. And sure enough, if you pass enough of them, they invite you to start working with them as a developer. And my first project was actually just doing a little beta testing for the new Xbox software that you see on the
0: one before it was released. Oh, that's pretty fancy. Now, I know that, you know, lifespan of of software is getting considerably shorter. New iterations, new upgrades and new features are constantly coming out. And sometimes the best way to deal with those new upgrades is to sunset a previous version. Do you have any emotions as a software developer when you have to sunset something?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. It's definitely been a process to condition myself to see projects that you're working on or been involved in or been excited, you know, to be a part of just come and go. And you really learn to be completely detached from uh, all your work that you've put into it, just because unfortunately the next thing's coming out and, you know, all good software must come to an end.
0: Now, you you do speak with a fondness about software, but I do happen to know that your soft spot is really for the hardware side. That's where it really really moves the needle for you.
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely, Sean. You know, um, as soon as I started seeing this trend with technology coming about where you just saw things getting smaller and smaller, and we don't even like hardware at all basically anymore, you know, the desktop has become somewhat obsolete in the consumer world. And, you know, so I kind of dove into that problem not necessarily the problem, but just the trend and started seeing all the advantages that, you know, hardware can truly provide in terms of both computing software and just providing different capabilities that you wouldn't have otherwise. And, uh, you know, I fell in love with it. I built my first computer start to finish back in 2011, and uh, I've never turned back. And I have to say I'm a little bit of a fanboy for most of the pieces of hardware that you find in high-end computers these days.
0: Now, you bring up the fact that hardware is kind of disappearing. So let's talk about something that Microsoft just put out, and that's the Surface Book 2. Basically, what appears to have happened is they've actually taken a desktop PC and now it's portable. It runs on Windows 10 Pro, which I know is a real strong point for you. It has a touchscreen, which is detachable, which has a ridiculous resolution. It's 3240 by 2160. Man, that's almost 4K in a laptop screen. That's nuts. It also has the Xbox wireless integration, so I know that's something that you love. And my favorite part of this entire little creation is that it now comes with a discrete NVIDIA GTX 1060 chip. Now, that's in the 15-inch. Now, the 13-inch, you can go with integrated graphics if you wanted, but you also have an option for the GTX 1050. I mean, come on, detachable screen, wireless functionality. I can remember building PCs for LAN parties and then lugging all that equipment over to a buddy's house right? This is basically land viability that fits in your backpack. So we're basically living in a Star Trek movie, aren't we?
1: You know, Star Trek might be jealous of the Surface Book 2, if we're being honest. You know, I couldn't be more impressed with Microsoft's continual dedication to truly reach out to every type of audience when it comes to their their software and hardware. You know, you look at Microsoft as a software company. That's what it is when you, when you break it down. Microsoft came up with their own OS, broke away from the Linux kernel originally. You have MS-DOS. We're closing in on 50 years ago. And, you know, over the last decade, they've just made this move to hardware. And I couldn't be more impressed. The Surface Book 2 is truly impressed you see the, the line between dedicated chips for graphics that were considered mobile. You know, when they first came out with the concept, it was the GTX 960 M, which represented, yeah, it truly is a dedicated graphics card, but we're tuning it down. You know, you don't have the cooling availability. You don't necessarily have the processing power or the, the wattage to power this chip. But nowadays, we, we, we drop the M in one generation. So major props to NVIDIA for coming out with a card that's that impressive and can function in a laptop So it it truly is a it's a hardware masterpiece, if I'm being honest.
0: So let me ask you another question, because you do have a foot in both worlds, you have a foot in the software world and in the hardware world, and you're an effective bridge between those two. Is there just a massive change in mindset that you have to flip a switch when you're going from one type of product to another?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first difference is when you're making a standard Windows desktop program or working within the code, you know, the limitations don't exist. Anything outside of what's capable within the language, (laughs) for example, you know, to break it down, bring it a little more into common terms. Let's say you're writing in C sharp. Your only limitations are what can you come up with and how good is the code? As soon as you switch to the UWP, now you're bringing in all the aspects like, is this program going to drain the battery of my Windows 10 mobile device? in under an hour because that would essentially make the program obsolete you know energy efficiency is probably the biggest switch. And so you do have to dive into that aspect of it. You know, you have to come up with more shortcuts. You're utilizing libraries more often. I mean, that's really the biggest difference. In terms of mindset, though, the fun part about UWP is you're pretty motivated to write good code for that because you can have it on any platform, which has never been seen before. They're honestly making great strides with that. And I don't see that platform disappearing anytime soon.
0: So it almost sounds like an increase in an exponential factor as far as the parameters you have to think about.
1: Yes, that's a great way to put it. It's true. It's, um, they've done a great job adding to the library and having the resources available that anyone can do this. You know, it's awesome, and it just continually makes me happy that Microsoft really has a heart to provide the tools for developers that don't necessarily have the education or the resources. So I, I, I continually thank them for that.
0: So when I think about technological geeks, the one group that really always pops into my mind first and foremost is NASA. And they get to do some of the coolest, most ridiculous things. Is that an environment that a software company like Microsoft has an opportunity to sort of be a part of?
1: i'll give the disclaimer that I am speaking solely from an understanding of third party conversations and you know a web snippet here and there. I don't have the direct access to know the communication lines between the companies, but it definitely gets a little dicey once you know the government's involved it is government funded you know there's a lot of restrictions from that end, and you they're doing a lot of work internally with multiple you know contractors that really make it difficult for any third parties to be involved on any high level but At the end of the day, NASA will take what they want and they get what they want, which is pretty cool. And it does make it a little software playground for the lucky developers that get to work for them.
0: So now I mentioned Star Trek and then we got a little bit closer to Earth and I mentioned NASA. Now let's get down even closer in the atmosphere and let's talk about aeronautics in general. Is that something that you would have had a chance to sort of be involved in?
1: I actually went to school, didn't finish. I'll make that claim right away. I went to school at Carnegie Mellon for material science. And that's actually what drew me into the computer world is because I ended up hanging with all the computer Nerds up there, and I say that as a endearing term because I consider myself a nerd as well. No, multiple friends of mine, close friends, they went down that path, and there is no limit to you know the availability of jobs for coders, programmers, hardware experts in the aeronautics world. That's something that will continue to grow and you don't see a decrease in jobs. You know, I, I apologize to all people in mechanical engineering right now, but that field is shrinking and quickly and the jobs are just new jobs aren't being created. You have some people retiring, which creates jobs, but you know, the aeronautics is a great way to go. Computer engineering is a great way to go and electrical engineering. Those would be the three that I truly recommend to any student.
0: So Matt, you know, we talked about Star Trek and NASA, and then we got a little closer to Earth with aeronautics in general. I know you have an opportunity and a real passion about creativity and technology like workflow and creative software suites like Adobe and Avid's Pro Tools, Image Lines, FL Studio. I know that technology is getting even closer to home and coming out of the professional world and coming into our personal space in smart home applications. What can you tell me about what you're working on now? And, and don't worry, it's just you and me. Nobody else is listening. So you can feel free to tell me any kind of secrets that you want about what you're working on for smart home applications.
1: You know, the smart home concept has been around longer than I can remember. If, I, uh, if I'm being honest, my first introduction to the smart home was actually a Disney Channel movie back when I was probably eight. And I, I want to say the title was Smart House. And so that, uh, that immediately triggered my imagination. And uh, I definitely have been watching the smart home world develop and been very into the latest releases and everything in terms of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about the smart home. What you're seeing is technology that used to be solely available to corporations and, you know, just huge, huge processes because all smart home applications really are automation programs. And so you had never seen these resources available to the consumer. And nowadays you have the standard user, you know, a middle-aged adult on their iPhone, checking the locks in their house, checking IP cameras, setting the audio, turning lights off. It's, it's just truly a glimpse into the future
0: becoming reality. I'm very much a a sound guy. I've used Avid's Pro Tools as long as it's been out. I have not had an opportunity to work with ImageLines FL Studio, but I know that you have had an opportunity to work really closely with them.
1: Audio is truly my passion of passions, and I say that lightly because if you ask me anything technology-based, you'll probably get the same response, which is is my passion. But I I also, I've gone through Avid's uh, Pro Tools certification. I'm halfway through my second level. I've gotten to work pretty closely with them and just get an inside scoop on what they're mainly focused on and what they're releasing. And then, as you said, I I do work very closely with ImageLine. They're my sweet spot that I do a lot of volunteering in terms of development for. And the coolest thing I could say about anything in terms of audio these days is that you go ahead and turn on the radio and I, I won't get sidetracked and lay down all my issues with music these days, but I'll put that aside. And you see this incredible level of production in every song, across every genre, things that studio recordings couldn't even dream of doing 10 years ago. And it's, it's available to the average user for under $500. If you have a laptop, so the the strides we've made in audio technology have been probably as great as any other field specifically you see things like audio stretching things that were never possible before you know shortening and lengthening audio samples without losing the pitch integrity just things that are absolutely unreal all available on a standard 2 core processor on your laptop with 4 gigs of ram you can now do that on any device which is pretty cool and you also see these applications coming out with companion apps for your phones i'm going to Choose FL, just because I'm the most familiar with their line. You have FL Studio Mobile and FL Studio Remote, two different ways to interact with your software as you're using it on your desktop with your phone. It's just incredible the things we're doing. Your phone can turn into a MIDI remote. For people that might not know what that is, a MIDI signal is essentially as if I plugged in a keyboard to my computer and I had access to the velocity of every time I press a key or, you know, you can map it to a certain aspect of your audio production. And all this stuff is just happening on iPhones, iPads, and, you know, laptops. It's unbelievable.
0: I agree with you on that. The last point that I want to bring up, and then I'll let you get back to creating something cool, because I know you still have time left today to do at least three or four more amazing things. As you mentioned, this level of technology, of power that used to exist in quarter million dollar studios, either video or audio, is now, as you said, it can be had by just a normal consumer. And I think that's a good thing. I think overall, that's an excellent development for creativity, just as a general concept. You don't have to rent an office space. You don't have to have a studio. You don't have to live in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. You could live in Austin, Texas. You could live in Denton. You have creative processes. You just haven't had the tools to be able to show those. And I think that must give you quite a sense of satisfaction knowing that you're kind of helping build that evolution.
1: You know, Adobe has taken steps as far as lowering the price of specific software suites down to $10 a month. You know, Photoshop, I was too young to truly be using it when I was uh, back in school. But I just remember those programs being, you know, $800 to buy it. Next year it comes out, we'll, we'll cut you a break and the upgrade might be $500 or something. But, you know, just ridiculous amounts. And now you you see full access to the, the Creative Cloud Library, which is what Adobe packages their entire software suite as, for $9. $9 a month and you literally have access to some of the most powerful software that anyone could ever provide. We're talking about the same software that movie studios are using, the same software that professional audio people are using. Sean, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with a lot of Adobe's products. And it's, it's just, it truly is awesome to see that availability just across the board. You know, I'll expand on that and say, anyone that's interested in getting in the technical field, don't let anything stop you. Like the resources are yours for the taking. The internet's unbelievable. Almost everything I do in my job today for Money, you know, for for companies, for anything that matters, is just self-taught from the internet. It's unbelievable the resources that are available, and just all you have to do is find what you're passionate about and where there's a need for that technology. Whether it's to provide automations for systems that exist to speed up processes that we already use, or to you know to troubleshoot a specific repetitive problem. Those are three of the main things that I see come up in small to mid-sized businesses that technology can solve, and you know just the availability of resources, the availability of different softwares and programs available for people that can't even afford, you know, the more affordable software we see today. It's just, it's truly awesome. I can't say anything else.
0: <laughs> Matt, I have to say, I think you bring us to an excellent point, And that is, if you have the passion about something, we finally arrived at a point where price isn't going to be the thing that stops you from pursuing that.
1: You know, affordability programs that reach out for people that are passionate about it. Microsoft has a new branch called Microsoft Spark. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure. And they're basically just trying to identify businesses that they see people that are ready to produce. You know, all these companies want are just people that are ready to produce. So the question you have to ask yourself is, am I ready to produce? If not, how do I get to that point? It could be you need to increase your library of skills and tools. It could be I just need to finally learn how to buckle down and sit at the computer and produce what I need to produce. But it's just amazing the opportunities that are available in the technology field.
0: Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time for us today. And I'm glad you were available to explain some of the really fascinating things that you get to do. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for your time. And we'll talk to you down the road. It
1: was a pleasure to be here, Sean, and take care.
0: We've been talking today with Matt Eisler, an IT and software development consultant with Microsoft. Microsoft. I'm Sean Heath. Thanks for joining us today on Software and Electronics, brought to you by MarketScale.